Next week is episode 50, isn't it? Yeah, it's 49 this week. Holy fucking shit. I mean, we've said way more than can still be a joke. How did we make it this far? I. But holy fucking shit, yeah. dude. <laughs> You have to, like, pop champagne or some shit. Actually, when did the first episode go up? Oh, shit! We may have already crossed our, um... Oh, no, that's the wrong button. Stupid, Charlie. One, ye one year of something Wicked Studios? <laughs> uh, February 22nd. Holy shit, are we, we are recording on the day that the a year ago the first episode of the Wicked Awesome cast went up. Wicked Awesome number one is from February 14th. Last. Oh, you're right, late. you're right, you're right. I was looking at number two. I thought the first one was... Um... Say, we didn't take a week off, and there's 52 weeks in a year. We have a couple preamble shows. Those don't come up on this? I don't number them the same way. Oh, okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Because those are, I'll, I'll, okay, yep. I don't think There's of them the as real podcasts because they're often like forty-five minutes long. Because it's like I'm fucking sick of editing this all together now. This is good, and like no, oh, yeah. they're, they're disjointed as fuck. I like me and you find them funny because like oh yeah, I did say that, but it's like like yeah. nah, it's like if you're gonna skip a podcast, this is these are the ones you yeah. skip. Yeah, fifty minutes of robot chicken. Yeah, basically <laughs> Jeff and Charlie edition. So that's the scary part because. I put, like a, I put like a one second gap between each bit is what I think of them as, and yep. it kind of works, but it also mm -hmm. makes us seem just batshit insane when I'm editing it. Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 49! That's very close to 50. Disturbingly close. Uh, so close to 50 that um, Alex is out this week, so it's just me and Jeff. Alex is off on a mountain doing mountain things. So, yeah, I guess his dog saw snow for the first time or something. So that's cute, I guess. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, welcome. Yeah, I saw him posting about that, and I was like, he's got to be somewhere, because I don't think it snowed in L.A. today. Uh, there's a mountain called Mammoth near here. That's where you go to see snow. It's it's part of that whole weird uh, L.A. claim that you can go surfing in the morning and then go snowboarding in the afternoon, which you actually totally can do, traffic permitting, and some people do it because <laughs> people that live here are kind of secretly terrible. Yep. Oh, well, I mean, I think it's also that traffic permitting part. Uh, yeah. Very much not easy. I guess I've seen enough, like, kind of not douchey websites, the trendy websites being like, you can totally do this. I'm like, yes, you totally can, especially if a website's paying you to do this. Mm-hmm. And you rent a helicopter. <laughs> that doesn't hurt either. That helps some, even. Yes. Um... So, aside for or us talking about someone who isn't here that we don't, or at least I don't know, fully know what he's doing, other than he's got a dog, it has Giardia, and it has snow now. We should make um, up what Alex is up to right now. Like, he's fighting Russian oh, this... spies or something in a ski town. 
Uh, we could do that. Uh, he's in high-speed snowmobile chases uh, with his girlfriend in tow and the dog in, like, a sidecar holding a machine gun. Uh, I now want to know him... what a—I I now have to go and Google whether or not you can have a sidecar on a snowmobile and not have it to be <laughs> the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> it probably looks horrible. Probably. A three-seating uh, snowmobile. The the trick though is you need to have the puppy in the sidecar and that brings it full circle again. Holy shit, there are snowmobile sidecars. I'm oh. not sure I'm surprised by this fact, but they come in like rugged World War Two or the wussiest thing ever. Yep. Pretty much that said, the World War Two ones are like the most like diesel fucking snowmobiles I've ever seen. Yeah, old snowmobiles Because it's just like nuts. Imagine if someone was like, I want to build a snowmobile, and then the person was like, why don't you just use a uh, motorcycle instead and just put treads instead of wheels? And the first person said, isn't that not exceptionally well-balanced? And the thir the second guy said, don't worry, I'll give you a sidecar. Shut up. Let me make this. Yeah. And then it was soon purchased by our favorite uh, superstar, Nikolai Tracksuit. Nikolai Tracksuit, inventor of the snowmobile. Uh, Hello, I need, I need motorcycle for getting around snow. Yep. You know, every now and then, big Bond, or uh, I'm Bond villain, regular James Bond type character come through and I need to go catch his ass. Um, in the future, we are the rednecks in New England will ride them across lakes. <laughs> Pretty much. You don't even... Oh, well, Frozen it's more like lakes? rednecks no, in New England will get lakes. them stuck in lakes. Yeah, um, you're right on that water. As long as you keep going, it doesn't fall below the water, right? Right? <laughs> That's the hope. I actually had a guy... Uh, one of the guys who I play hockey with is this old dude. And um, the dude's 70, like, two years old. Still fucking plays hockey and, like, takes checks and, like, stops pucks. And dude's fucking diesel. But he, uh, apparently when he was younger, what they used to do is take a tire and they would go out on ice and they'd have a fucking tow rope and then all your friends would run along the bank and then you'd get dragged along the fucking ice on an actual, like, tire inner tube. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, and he said when it wasn't, um, like, melty enough, you'd ride, the, like, an actual ice wave like the ice truckers do. <laughs> like, oh, man. I told him, I'm like, it was tough to be a coward in your day, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, but you gotta remember then, Jaeger is also, um, or Jagger, whatever the hell is, how you actually pronounce his name, is still playing, and he was there when they invented hockey, so. Jormir? Jormir Jager? Jormir Jager? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's what, 45 at the moment? I read somewhere he's the only person that was in, like, um, NHL 93 still playing. <laughs> I can believe that. <laughs> Video game um, reference. He is currently 45. Yep. There are, there have been um, hockey players who have played longer than Yager has. Um, but they are long since retired. And they are much older and played older hockey. Um, you know, safer hockey. Without helmets yeah, to give you sure. concussions. <laughs> yeah, without helmets to give you concussions. It's actually interesting. There is some stuff out there that, like, modern-day, like, goalie gear and stuff is actually, like, ruining their hips much younger and, like, destroying people. That said, Yormir Yager is obviously not a goalie. But as a goalie, these are the things that matter to me. But, He's the um, king of time. Yep. 
You know about the traveling yogurts, right? No. So there's these like 10 or 13 different dudes that all wear a mullet wig and wear one of the various jerseys that Yormir or of teams that Yormir Yager has played for. Okay. Um and they like go to games occasionally and stuff. Um or maybe they're not called the traveling Yagers, but it's what they do. Um they like go to different games and stuff dressed up as like Yager on the Penguins, Yager on the Bruins, Yager on the Flyers, Yager on the Panthers. <laughs> Because he's just, like, played on, like, every fucking team at this point. Um, yeah. And apparently he's done, like, photo ops with them and stuff, and he actually likes them. Is there just a goal bunch of, like, to, like, be there when he obviously dies on the ice? <laughs> uh, that might happen. Um, I don't want that see. to happen, but that feels like it's going to be inevitability at this point. <laughs> There's one, two, three, four. It looks like there's six of them. A Dallas Stars, a Philadelphia Flyers, a New York Rangers, a Washington Capitals, a Penguins, and a Czech Republic one. Um, hey, he played for I'm, the Bruins. Where's ours? Oh, I know he. I know he's played for the Bruins. Up, oh, they've upgraded. They've got a Bruins one now. Ha! They've played for everyone. He's yeah. Who hasn't he played for? Uh, L.A. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I don't even know if that's a jab. <laughs> I'm looking to complete the set. I'd like to play for LA for a season. Yep. So you can get the uh, LA and mullet uh, going. The at that like if you're going to wear a Yager jersey to a game, it's not mandatory you wear a mullet, but it's heavily recommended. We're not saying it completes the outfit, but wearing the outfit may cause you to grow a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for my Adam or. For Adam McQuaid to start having that same kind of fandom and uh, mullet love. <laughs> uh, Bam Bam McQuaid. Uh, um, so we are at the most, like, something Wicked Studios trifecta-y one so far. We've already bitched about L.A. We've bitched about how long we've been on this fucking thing. We've brought we've up bitched hockey. about hockey. Now all we need is food, and we're... <laughs> and Alex isn't here to try and, like, dissuade us from going on this topic. Yeah, so once again, I have no idea why. Back to basics, to Jeff. Back to basics. We had to get yeah. back to the pure wicked awesome cast experience. Oh which... yeah, this is concentrate. Yes. <laughs> so in uh, in pure wicked awesome cast fashion, you want to go first this week, or should I? Uh, sure. So this week was a D and D weekend. Um, we finally ended the campaign. Where we went along, killed the big bad, and did epilogues of characters. So, one of the things I don't know if I've been mentioning... I'm just going to say we killed the big bad. That was basically most of it. And then the epilogues are more interesting. Sure. Um, so, we... Throughout the campaign, I had basically started... Since I founded my own ninja school because I saved a town and basically became a land baron and then started doing whatever I wanted with that land... Can I make one last Naruto joke because the character is retiring after this? Sure. Way to become Hokage, man. Way to do it. Proud of you. Well, I was always going to be uh, the head of the ninja clan, so oh, yeah, so sure, you, you can make it. that one. You set out with the goal to be Hokage, like Naruto. <laughs> oh, man. Unfor or, my character hasn't committed suicide yet, so... Is that how that ends? <laughs> I actually don't know. I In my head, it is. Fair. 
<laughs> so the uh, event every now and then, whenever I ran into someone and I needed like just just something to say, sure. I would go off on. I would do an elevator pitch on how this person should come and become a ninja. And basically was like a Jehovah's Witness of becoming a ninja. Have you thought about knife-eyeing people in the face via stealth? Yes. Have you, have you accepted shadows and deceit and murder as your lord and savior? Oh, so my elevator pitch. Yeah. Have you thought and about becoming a bad guy? <laughs> yes. So I basically went around doing this, and we went to this, I mentioned before, the basically the party city. And... Um, the guy who was the head of the party city basically didn't do a very good job uh, because, you know, evil people came in and stole its natural resources, et cetera, et cetera. What were its natural resources? Like a never-ending fountain of crystal or something? Uh, it was basically liquid mana, which the okay. party city was using to convert into just booze and food and completely squandering its resources. And bad people were like, you know, I could do a lot with that. But then the city would starve. We'd have to stop partying 24-7. Hmm, I don't care. <laughs> okay, so they were they were pursuers of the closed-fist approach of um, nurturing, where it's like, no, no, you must become strong via suffering. Mm-hmm. What is it? Wooden shoes, climb ladders, uh, silk slippers, descend them? Yeah. As it goes? I don't know. Um, I've never heard that before. It's from uh, hardcore history. There's, like, stuff about... Like how societies get tough or start discovering culture, get the shit kicked out of them by a more rough and tumble culture, start discovering culture and like, you know, art and whatnot, and then get the shit kicked out of them by another yeah, rough and tumble culture. Like it's, it's like, no, no, you're, it's like, it's like, no, no, your, your first mistake was inventing shoes. That's what made you weak. Yeah, exactly. Um, So... Basically, the head guy of that, I wound up having to talk to him at one point, and I wasn't getting the information I wanted. So he's basically like, is there anything else you'd like to say? And I gave him the full ninja elevator pitch. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't think I'll be taking you up on that, but thank you anyway. And basically, he, um, after all was said and done, I basically went to like the actual like lord of the entire kingdom. was like, hey, you know that last guy who was in charge of Party City? Well, he did a real piss poor job. So I think you should put my friend who really loved Party City in charge and I, I was make him come to be, my Ninja Academy. I was hoping it was going to be Ninja Party City. Uh, it didn't become Ninja Party City, but it did become our... But he did, like, get kicked out and have to, in, like, tail between his legs, came to my character and became a ninja. <laughs> Um, that said, being head of Party City, he wasn't used to wearing clothes, so I'm <laughs> assuming there's one naked ninja running around somewhere in this they can't universe fight you if you're naked or on fire those are the first rules of hand-to-hand -hand combat or behind seven proxies that also helps um so did that and then basically it was just a bunch of friends hanging out drinking beers and playing magic and doing nerd stuff um i don't think i played any video games really this weekend i installed and turned on endless legend but its tutorial is very long, so that was the end of that. <laughs> what is Endless Legend? It's a 4X game that I'm probably or I'm gonna play with my uh, roommate at some point because I promised him I would. It, elaborate more, because I still don't know what the hell you're talking about. 4X is like expand. It's 
there's a word for all of them. Basically means like civilization type games. Is it turn based or is it like is yes? It like, it's like an RTS. Uh, more like civilization, where it's okay. like you build a city, you can send people to do different things, different places, but it's not like fast time like an RTS. It has turns, and then Jeff, you don't Jeff. Ha- you can't only win by murdering your opponents. There's diplomacy ones. I intend to only murder my opponents. Jeff, do you know what they're called? I'm... What? Do you know what they're called? Mm, sure. Turn-based strategy games. In the sure. same way that RTSs are real-time strategy games. Well, turn-based strategy games I always viewed as being like Pokemon and Final Fantasy. Nah, that's more of an RPG, just turn-based. Or um, turn-based RPG, okay. Yeah. Sure. But either way, did that. And then today I went to hockey, and again, I'm on the verge of pulling my shoulder out, but uh, it's not stopping me. As someone with a permanently injured shoulder, I'm not telling you which one in case I have to fight you someday, don't injure your shoulder. It sucks. Fair. Um, but, so, because of that, stretching like crazy and trying to prevent the shoulder from breaking. Yeah, I, when it goes, like, if it locks up like mine does and I have limited rotation in it, it's you won't run into issues often, but then you'll like try and lie on it weird once, and like mm-hmm. suddenly you'll be like, "Why am I full of immense pain?" Oh right, my shoulder doesn't bend that way anymore. Son of a bitch. Yeah, mine just hurts. It isn't doing restricted motion or anything like that. Mine used to just hurt. Fair. All right. Yeah. So that pretty well wraps up my week. Yeah, so this is gonna be a short podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, we don't have much news, and I didn't do much either, really. Uh, um, I I've been playing a lot of For Honor, and I'm playing one of the worst classes in the game right now, the Lawbringer, because fucking pole axes, pole axes. I've been told I say that word maybe fast, and if it sounds like a racial slur by accident, for okay. life. That character's so goddamn cool, and he's so up at. That game has some patches coming soon, which it very much needs. Like, the, the balance is a little bit off. A couple characters are a little bit broken. That guy could definitely use a buff in a couple areas, but it's still a really mm-hmm. good game. Like that, Glad you're enjoying it. That may be the best game Ubisoft has made in years. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of their best ever, I think. Like awesome. I, I'm trying to think of a game since Assassin's Creed 1, and that's just my time frame, not that I think that game is better, that I think is better than this game. And it's like, eh, Far Cry 3 comes close, but at the same time, I'm like, no, this game's better than Far Cry 3. Mm-hmm. I think it is anyway. It's definitely more inventive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that 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 game's still real cool. the The story is still like dumb in the right way, but like at the same time, it's like no, no. There's actually a story here in the single player mode, which makes no goddamn sense. But neat. Hmm. I suspect that game has become my version of Overwatch, where like even if I don't play a lot of it, I'll still jump into it for like an hour each night, like do a couple dual matches or something. Not really get a lot done, but be like, yep, okay, I did it. Out for the mm-hmm. night. So it's fun to yeah. It's there's enough quick kind of skirmish stuff in that game. It's good that way. It's awesome. Yeah, and there's a video. There's a more in-depth video of it of my thoughts on that game. Up, I show it off to Jim. 
I get my ass handed to me by a bunch of people in online because talking and playing that game at the same time is difficult. That's some bullshit multitasking at that point. Mm -hmm. Now, on top of that, I went to um, Scott's Fest this weekend. That's not a festival for Scott or Scotch, as some people think I say when I say Scott's Fest. Um, LA it's for Scott's lawn care, obviously. Yes, it's it's for lawn care. It's a big <laughs> fertilizer convention and aeration kind of gear. It's it's lots of people walking around going, "Hey, you need your lawn mode. Hey, you need your lawn mode." And no, it's no, it's do, um, you, do you need your lawn seeded and aerated? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No more elaboration on this topic is required. We've obviously <laughs> covered exactly what it is. No, we precisely. Have, we have this. I guess it's technically a hotel at this point, called the uh, Queen Mary down here, and they it's named after Queen Mary of that English place that we rebelled from at one point, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a cruise ship that was used in World War II to get survive, get um, refugees and other things across the ocean, and now it's sitting on a giant cement block in the Long Beach Harbor, rusting and acting as a very kind of strange hotel. I've stayed there a couple times. There's a couple rooms that have no outside lighting, so when you close the door and like, shut off the lights in them, they are pitch fucking black, and you have no concept of time. Hmm. But they do festivals. Like, I've been to a bacon Solitary. festival. Yeah, it's it's a little weird, but it also makes sense where it's like, hey, um, what happens when you, when you turn off the lights inside of a metal cube inside of a bigger metal cube? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. You yeah. can't see shit. Mm -hmm. There is no night vision because there is no light for your eyes to detect. Mm -hmm. But I digress. Back to Scott's Fest, the lawn care convention. Uh, it's Scott's Fest <laughs> is actually a Scottish festival, meaning lots of burly men in kilts throwing like telephone poles, essentially called cabers. They do a Highland Games, which is what me and my girlfriend go for, and... She gets Did her, you wear your utility kilt? I wore my sport kilt. I am too fat for my utility kilt. Oh, didn't know sport kilt was a thing. Sport now. kilt is a thing. They're nice. They also have cargo pockets, but I digress. Hmm. Now it's it didn't rain, which I it's been raining a fuck ton since the last podcast. Like uh, we have this thing called the L.A. River, where the uh, scene from Terminator Two was shot, that normally has no water in it. I was driving home from work on the Friday after last podcast recording, and it was like, oh, shit, look at all that water. Mm -hmm. We got to die. I, I, th the number of like cars I got to drive by that were stalled out in giant puddles was both depressing but also amusing, where it's like, this is why you own real cars, you idiots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's about it, really. I, I I went through the process of reserving my typical gamer tag, I think, for the Switch, because that happened, and you too can do that. Whether or not you're buying a Switch, even, you can just go ahead and make a Nintendo account and leave. So if you want to reserve Blazemaster 420 Swag King 69, get on it, because I might beat you to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Say so. I take it you taken uh, Mordak. I have taken Mordak. All right. So yeah, now it's whatever. time for someone to take you know something like SWS Studios and make it just all dick pics. I may. 
It's <laughs> Nintendo, so you can't do that, and I already have the, in typical SWS fashion, something Wicked Studios. Excellent. I should call it SWS Gamer. That'd be a better name for it. <laughs> something Wicked Studios Gamer? Yeah, or just SWS Gamer. SWS Dash Gamer. That works. Yeah. Don't know. Oh, I also bought another Power Rangers Megazord. <laughs> this That's one's awesome. made of die-cast metal. Die-cast metal? They made this legacy collection thing where, like, they released it for the 20th anniversary of the show or something. So they made the exact same goddamn thing out of, like, metal. So it's metal paint and, like, has some weight to it and all the joints are better. And I'm like... I already own this, kind of, but I'm dumb enough to buy this a second time. It's made out of metal, and I found a very good eBay deal on it. Where I managed to buy uh, two parts of it for less than it cost to buy other stuff. I bought the, I'll admit, I bought the Dragon Sword and the Megazord again, because I am a fucking nerd. Because mm-hmm. when you put them together, it's way cooler. <laughs> Don't worry, wait like three or four minutes and I'm sure I'll do something horrifically nerdy and completely just, you know, make you look normal again. (laughs) Charlie owns two Megazords, one made of plastic, one made of die-cast metal. That's normal by comparison. (laughs) Yeah. Nah, it's been pretty uneventful. Nothing even fun to talk about on the food topic or anything like that. I... I... You don't get Jack in the Box commercials where you live, do you, Jeff? Nope, but I have seen them, and they are creepy. Uh, so the um, uh, there's a new thing at Jack in the Box. Uh, they have this thing called Buttery Jack, and I'm not sure what the fuck they are. They're they're some of the better burgers they offer, but one now features bacon butter, and I I I'm man enough to admit the fact that I'm gonna get myself one of those before it leaves the store. <sighs> I have not had one that yet, does sound but good. like every time I see an ad for it, I'm like, bacon butter, the fuck is bacon butter is it butter you made from bacon somehow like do you render the fat into the milk while you churn it like how does this work mm-hmm. these are all very important questions I, it's it's things i need to know as a person yeah but yeah that's that's about it for me really i have lots of for honor i I, it's been nice not having a new game come out in the week we recorded this, because it's like, oh, I can focus on For Honor. Oh no, Horizon Zero Dawn comes out next week. Guess For Honor's getting taken out of the PS4. Yep, I can't wait for that game to arrive oh, that either. looks so fucking cool. I have told my roommate not to tell me pretty much anything, other than apparently the main character is voiced by Ashley Birch. I, and, uh, I really hope not, because I'm not a big fan of her. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's fine. I did not like her as Tiny Tina, I guess. I found that character aggressively annoying. She does characters other than that. That's She's also fair. my Yuri in uh, Steins Gate, and I had no idea it was her. Fair. I, I, I retract my statement. As long as it's not a Tiny Tina character, I'm totally down for that. Mm-hmm. Which I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be, but yeah, I... I played that at E3, and that game was real cool. And, like, the super shitty demo they gave us there where it's like, hey, here's a field and, like, four enemies. Have fun. And I'm like, oh, I'll have fun. You let me loose in this game. Oh, this is real fun. But a lot of the, uh, I guess the game's finally made its way to uh, reviewers. 
which I don't know what we need to do to get on that list. I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> um, and so far, basically, it's the game is just delivering on everything it promised. Yeah, I, I've heard everything from they should not make a sequel to this because holy crap, how do you top this? To like, this was made by Guerrilla Games, the guys that made the Killzone franchise, and I'm like, yeah. This is weird to come out of them. I mm-hmm. love the Killzone games, but like when I heard about this, I'm like, oh no. And then I saw it, and I'm like, oh yes. No, and I, I guess the craziest thing is the new Kojima game is running on the same graphics engine as this. Really? And allegedly this game has moments where it's like, this is rendered video, right? No, this is live. Fuck. Wow. But I'm just talking about stuff I've heard. Yeah, I'm stoked for this game. Yeah, it looks real cool. Looks really cool. Yeah, so the biggest news article this week is that uh, Horizon Zero Dawn will be out next week. (laughs) Sucks to be you, not PS4 owners. Yep. Yeah. If you're listening to this, it comes out the week that you're hearing this. If you're listening, it comes out the day after you'd be hearing this, potentially. Yeah. The day it gets posted, it's out the next day. So we'll probably nice. talk about it next on the next podcast because I will definitely be playing it. Nice. Uh, it's because of this game, actually, that I started to revisit the topic of do I buy a PS4 Pro because they basically said, yeah, we're releasing a patch for this thing that makes the frame rate even better on the PS4 Pro. And I'm like, all the reviews I've read have said the frame rate's real good. And they're like, yeah, but it could be better. I'm like, oh, you get it. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's that's dumb topics for after the Switch, which also comes out stupid soon. But speaking of the Switch, you ready for some news? I am ready for some news. Let's do some news. We should make some news music or something. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, so a transition of some kind, but I digress. <laughs> nah, it's so, um, the, the industry is in kind of a weird inhaling state right now where it's... We're obviously all waiting for the switch to happen, so nothing is fucking happening. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I have we have very little talk about this week. So, um, the ones I pulled for us though are the biggest one is that someone got their hands on a switch wicked early. Turns out it was stolen from a kind of retailer and stuff like that. Big surprise there. They posted some videos of the interface, like nothing too damning, and then when they found it was stolen, they sent it back to Nintendo, because they're like, um, no, you can't own one yet. Mm-hmm. That's they sent it back to Nintendo? Did they, like, not know that it was stolen? I... There's a variety of stories out there, ranging from I paid a dude for it and he handed it to me, to, hey, my pre-order showed up early. Mm-hmm. And as someone who got pestered by my pre-order today, where it's like, hey, um, is your, uh, is your, um, pre-order still good? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, because we want to release that pre-order to someone else so fucking badly. Mm -hmm. But so speaking of that, apparently somehow GameStop will have Switches available for walk-ins on launch day. Really? Yeah, I, I have a sneaky suspicion, which is that um, a bunch of people that may have pre-ordered this 
are having a second thoughts before they have to kind of put that money down all the way kind of situation. But I could be wrong. Like, think about how little we've heard about this damn thing since the last, well, since they announced it, really. The, the official unveiling was one thing, and then they had the press conference showing it off more, and it's been nothing else since. Like, this thing's mm-hmm. launching in a pretty good vacuum of what the fuck is this thing. Mm-hmm. Which, I, uh, as someone who's only buying it because YouTube channel, I don't care about that fact. It's like, ah, oh, it would be relevant. But at the same time, the launch game lineup for it's pretty shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, for better or worse, you can play the big game coming out for it, Breath of the Wild, on the Wii U. You have to own a Wii U at that point, but I've definitely talked to some people that had the perspective of, I have to justify owning that thing. And I have not done that yet. And I'm like, I got it for Bayonetta 2. I played Bayonetta 2. Mm-hmm. We Basically. In preparation for that thing, though, I did I did pre-order a um, giant fuck-off SD card or micro SD card because they already have games coming out that are too big for that thing's basic storage mm-hmm. to download, which I find silly. <clears throat> it's super creepy. You can buy an over a hundred gig micro SD card for like thirty bucks. Oh yeah, they've like dropped. They've yeah. like absolutely plummeted in price. It, it just feels wrong in, like, the weirdest way. I can remember back in the day getting a card for my PSP and it being, like, $80. That was proprietary, <laughs> too. Like, that was part of the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah. Well, and I guess our last bit of news, uh, kind of, last week we talked about PewDiePie, so this week we're going to talk about Jim Sterling of the Jimquisition. And we actually have good news for him. The courts have thrown out... Digital Homicide's lawsuit against Jim Sterling, where they were claiming his aggressively negative review of their games led to bad sales. A bad precedent has been avoided being set. Congratulations, go legal system. Hmm, agreed. Yes. For those curious, Digital Homicide are those guys that um, got their games dropped off Steam for a variety of reasons. I, it's been a whole mess of them being like, it's Steam's fault. We're suing you. We're going to sue Jim Serling. We're going to sue our mom and that car and that pigeon and that dog and that statue. You're all getting sued. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's that's literally it for news this week. Basically, nothing else happened. <laughs> There was some esports shit, but neither me or Jeff follow CSGO enough to have opinions about that. <laughs> also, League of Legends is currently doing IEM Katowice, but I have not been play- paying nearly enough attention to like, actively comment on it. I don't know what that sentence it. means! It's the international uh, tournament, or there's a couple of international tournaments that happen each year. So it's one of the few ones where actually, like... Koreans, Europeans, and like some wild card teams are slammed up against each other. So there's some matchups you'll typically not see. Okay. Um, and it's in Katowice, which is in Poland. Um, where is Katowice? Mm. Doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. Except for those who live there, I assume. But yes, it's southwestern Poland. Nailed it. Woo! Um, but yeah, that's basically what's going on, but I have not been paying close enough attention. 
Yeah, so um, we're going to do things a little differently this week. Uh, we have no we have no listener mail, and instead of doing our normal kind of in-depth topic where we all discuss things, since Alex is not here and we can kind of give you a warning, we're going to do a bit of a spoiler cast for the uh, Resident Evil 7 because I that's kind of something I've wanted to talk to Jeff about for a while, and... I suspect our conversation about it might be cool for some people. So Also, this is your time to get out if you do not want any spoilers about RE7. But before we start that, if you wish to contact us and send us an email or something like that, you can do that at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Again, that's wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. It's a good email. You should send stuff to it. But, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler warning. We don't even care if it's horrible stuff. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll probably read like it. Like terrifying pictures of ourselves or something. That'd be cool, actually. Make them of Alex. Make them of Alex, yes. But yeah, so I'm going to do a couple second pause and gonna throw out the beware of spoilers from this point on the podcast. Uh, if you're a big fan of our um, end music, skip ahead to the end minus a minute. That will put you <laughs> roughly there, I think. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, spoiler warning for RE7 and probably lots of other stuff re- relating to our Resident Evil, period, because consider the gloves off. We're going to kind of talk shit about this. It's something I've wanted to do for a while, actually, just because it's fun to talk about cool-ass video games. Yeah, I'm kind of glad we got to get to this, like, right now when we did, when it's, like, fresh in my mind and, like, it's still new as opposed to, you know, 10 months down the road. Hey, remember that Resident Evil 7 game? Yeah. No? Yeah. So, yeah, let's pause for one split second. And we're back. Welcome <laughs> to the Resident Evil spoiler cast zone. We're going to ruin this bitch. Which is oh, apparently a yeah. 900 number. Huh? <laughs> You didn't realize that this podcast was secretly a 900 number. I don't know what that means. You don't know 900 numbers are sex hotlines. They're not all sex. Although this is the ones you get charged money for, right? I, I forgot about yes. that. They're not all sex hotlines, but yes. It, it's, it's a long time since the 80s. We have camster.com now, so we can fi- so we can talk to Alex there. That's what Alex is doing opposed- right now. Yes, that's exactly what he's doing. The snow, it's all a lie. He's currently do, soliciting his body on the internet to other people for income. Well, Alex's poor mistakes not to be here aside. Resident Evil 7. I hail this many to be the return to form for Resident Evil. I have not played it, but I have read so many spoilers on it. I may know that game better than Jeff does, who has played it. So, I... Give us a story rundown, Jeff, just kind of like I so I can get some reference of how the stuff fits together. Okay. Um, so I'll go through the game and explain the story best I can remember and tell it, and then whenever something doesn't jive or you have a point you want to talk on, just jump in. Yep. So basically the game starts out with some guy named Ethan. Um and he's on his way to a swamp where he, or backing up, I guess. It starts off with an email from his girlfriend, Mia, basically saying, whatever you do, don't wife, girlfriend. I don't remember them ever actually saying it. Um, They just have, hey, this is the female lead. You probably should be investor or something. Go, go get her. Please do the plot. Um, So you go to Shitsville, Louisiana, or 
Shit Swamp, Swampsville, Swamp, USA. And you get there, you basically, you walk in, there's a big house, and then you walk down to a little house. And in that little house, this is only mildly important that there's a big one and a little one because you don't return to the little house for most of the game after the first half. So you go down to the little house. It turns out that there has been a video like camera crew whose okay. job is like find shitty, spooky houses and go and investigate them. Like the and ghost hunter guys, essentially. Basically. Um, except with more holes in them because sure. they're dead. Um, well, actually, I don't know if one of them's dead. Actually, no, they reveal he's dead. Um, he's not in a good but, shape either way. Yeah. They actually have been releasing um, one of the DLC as one of the, the cameraman from that section. You actually play as him in uh, the escape room. Um, but basically, you wind up going into the house, and you have to like go through the basement, and you find uh, Mia all like chained up and whatnot. And, and I was a little surprised. I'm like, man, game, you blew your load on us like finding the main female role early on. I'll bet she's not helpful. <laughs> so immediately she starts going through like schizophrenic episodes of being like one part demon, one part your loving girlfriend, wife thing. And the evil side of her is a fucking psychopath. And you run around the house for a little while and she's like, no, daddy's going to find us, which daddy is a character named Jack Baker. That sounds right. And... Basically, you run around the house with her for a little while trying to escape, and then you get a phone call from a person named Zoe. Zoe is one of the family members, and she basically gives you small amounts of help and exposition throughout the game. And <clears throat> so you get chased around by Jack and Mia for a little bit, and then Mia goes full psychopath on you and just kind of like she starts attacking you. And then you're forced to kill her, but she's definitely not dead. And then she comes back and she takes a screwdriver and pins your hand to the wall. And then she takes a chainsaw and saws your hand off. And that was the point where I went, oh shit, did I just fuck up? Because usually in a Resident Evil game, when someone takes a chainsaw to you, you die. Um, but nope, you're supposed to be alive wandering around with one arm. And you try to escape out the attic, but she bursts through the fucking attic and just wrecks your shit. And beats the crap out of you. And then you wake up strapped to dinner with the Baker family. Where you get to see the full family of Marguerite, which is the mother. Jack, the father. Um, Franklin, the son. And they're sitting there with a little old lady who never gets introduced. Well, not yet at least. And Mia is not there, I believe. <clears throat> So basically, from that, you wind up, um, they're trying to force you to eat, and then Franklin says something that pisses off the father, so to, like, show, to better his son, he cuts his arm off, because that's what any good dysfunctional zombie family does. Like you do. Like you do. And then Marguerite's like, y'all ruined dinner, and then they all pretty much fuck off. And leaving you just there. And that's probably the biggest, like, suspension of disbelief. Like, and then the homicidal maniac family just left me to my devices for no reason. 
Um, they leave you there with the grandmother character. So you escape, and then Jack comes back, and Jack is very much aware. It's kind of like the crow, where it's like he is very much aware that he is immortal, and he is not afraid to use it. And that gives him a very, very, like, genuinely terrifying and awesome personality. He's just like, I'm not afraid of you. I'm just going to slowly walk towards you and incrementally just take sharp objects I find as I go and stick them in you because it's fun and I've got nothing better to do. And, well, I've got all the time in the world and you don't. Mm. And he chases you around for a while and you wind up escaping from that into the bigger outreach of the house um and my brain's not working too good so i'm probably gonna be skipping over things and coming back to things um and from there you wind up finding a window and there's a cop outside and you're like dude you gotta get me out of here and he's like hey what the fuck are you doing here and basically he does like everything cops do in horror movies with which you know yeah sets himself up for failure so he's like, okay, tell you what, if you can get to the garage, I'll help you. And Ethan's basically like, dude, give me your gun. And the cop's like, no, no. Um, he's like, dude, I'm going to die in here. You don't understand. He's like, I'm not giving you my gun. So he gives Ethan a pocket knife and is like, have this some well wishes. And have fun. You get Don't die. So you get over to the garage and. You're talking to the cop, and he's like, okay, you need to tell me who you are. And he's, and basically you wind up having some shitty dialogue that could have very much saved many people's lives and ended the game really fast. But yeah. if it did, it'd be a very short game. And Jack comes in and fucking cuts his head off with a fucking shovel. Um, and it's great. Again, like and, you do. Yep. And then you get into a boss battle with Jack that I'm pretty well convinced you can't actually hurt him. And you basically have to kill him with a car. Or at the very least, inconvenience him temporarily. No, and then it's, Jack... It's at this point in the game where they reveal, really, that uh, maybe there's more going on with the Baker family. They're real good at not dying. Yeah. Jack basically go goes, um, let me help you with killing me. And he put, takes your gun, puts it in his mouth, and blows his own head off. Just to, like, prove a point. Spoiler alert, he's still not dead. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, you escape from there, move on into the larger portion of the house. Do you and... have your hand back at this point yet? Oh, I guess I skipped over that. Once, you go, once you're eating dinner with them, they sew your hand back on. No, they don't sew. They fucking staple that shit back on. Yeah. Um, it's... It's at that moment I kind of put together my brain, at least, that he's got at least some level of their disease or something. Yeah, so I, I guess the part I was kind of... I was wondering if you mentioned the hand getting it reattached part. Uh, a, a big thing going on through all of this is that um, there's a disease. Like, it's in the typical Resident Evil fashion, there is some kind of virus going on, and that's why... This time... I say this time it's a fungus. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, it's... There's a aggressive kind of spread from person to person theoretical thing that lets you do superhuman things. It falls in kind of the zombie category of regeneration and mutant. Like, it's the T-virus, but not the T-virus. It's kind of like, oh, it's the flower or the mushroom the T-virus was based off of, essentially. Yep. And, the you know, you get superpowers. Well, Umbrella Corp was doing weaponized research and shit, yep. so... 
things that work real good on soldiers. Hey, look, they're invincible. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it like just kind of degenerates their minds a little bit and makes them undead. <laughs> well, so also, I guess the part that's worth mentioning, like, Mia's a carrier for that, isn't she, at that point? Um, she has the fungus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what winds up happening from there is you move on to the larger portion of the house and you have some escapades within the house and then Zoe basically tells you how to escape it and you get out and Zoe's like, there's a trailer out front. Meet me in there. Okay. And so before we get on to that though, you encounter some Resident Evil ass monsters, like aside from the bakers. Before you successfully oh, Jesus, escape. I skipped a lot. Yeah, yeah, you have to escape through the basement, which they have a, like, crematoria. Or, like, a meat and, locker set up. Yeah, I saw some pictures. Yeah, they got meat lockers, crema- crematory, and there's these, like, fucking, like, ooze monsters. They're kind of like a halfway between the monsters in RE4 when you fall into the trash compactor kind of deal, and they have those big spikes, and they walk towards you slowly. Sure. Except they don't have the spikes, and they don't have a grab attack. They're very slow, and, and like, they're easy to deal with, but at the same time, they the game really is stingy with ammo in this one. So they wind up actually, like, being fairly tough, though they are slow and wind up attacky. Um, that said, the, like, sixth one of them I encountered, I got the, uh, it got personal achievement for killing one of them with a knife. Nice. Um, because that's how I do. And in RE4, I have very, I have completely, like, self-assessed achievement, killed all of the headbursters in the game only using a knife. Nice. Um, that took a long time. Uh, especially because some of them, or one of them, one in particular, instant kills you. (laughs) Um, so you go through all that. The explanation, I guess, on those guys is not fully explained. I'm guessing it's they give, quote unquote, Evelyn's gift to them and see if they take. Yeah. And those people are the did not make it list because you. So the explanation I heard is those are people that died while Evelyn's gift was still kicking in. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it brings them back, but because they were already dead, it doesn't work quite correct. Yep. No, that totally jives. Because in the game, which you wind up finding, you wind up finding a list of, like, Sarah, deceased. Mike, deceased. Steve, deceased. Basically, it's a whole list of dead people, yeah. and then the one cameraman from the beginning is still alive. Um is basically what that is. So it's inferred that they're collecting these people and they're doing something to them that's causing them to become this. Um, There's also stronger versions of them. Some of them have, like, giant, like, Krauser claws. Yeah, going back to the T-virus concept where it's like, oh, no, uh, not everything's a zombie. Some things are, what are they called, lictors or something? Oh, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about, the dog things yeah. with huge tongues um, from the movies and the games. <laughs> um, so you wind up going through all that. You get to outside. You go to Zoe's little hideout kind of deal. Um, you don't meet her, and basically you have to go and... F- you're going to have to go and kill her mom for some reason. I forget why. She has something oh, where you, you just need you to get through the Oh, you mentioned the best boss fight in the game with the chainsaws. You missed it. 
Oh my god, I am way too tired. <laughs> so yeah, in the process you wind of escaping up... the mansion, you have your final showdown with Jack. You have your final showdown with Jack, and Jack has a chainsaw pair of scissors. And basically you put a chainsaw through his head and pull it out like three times, and turns out that is the secret to killing his ass. Um, he also has the remnants of the cop in the basement. Um, and you use all, or, and this is how you get the Cerberus heads to the door that get you outside. Yeah, and, and me and Jeff, I think we're joking around. I'm not sure if it made it to the podcast or not. Like, I know me asking if Jeff, what he thought of chainsaws within there, which was me going, hey, if you got to the boss, fight with the chainsaw scissor yet? Yeah, no, that was in, I thought you were talking about when Mia cuts his hand off, which I had, and then yeah. later I got to Jack. Yep. Um... But Zoe tells you to go kill Marguerite, which you do. And then basically Franklin steps in and is like, hmm, you seem like you're going to end all my fun. So, no. So he kidnaps Zoe and is basically like, you're going to do whatever I want. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe I will or maybe I won't let you go. I think he also gets Mia. Um, sounds right. But basically you have to go around his personal murder dungeon. The mineshaft um, of traps. Yeah. It's a mineshaft of traps into a... Uh, <clears throat> also, it's a barn full of, like... I called them boomers because they look like boomers from fucking Left 4 Dead. Sure. But they're much taller. They're like these, like, 14-foot big fuckers with, like, puke attacks and shit. Sure. Um, and it's around this point in the game where they give you the thumper. Um, and I, they actually, this game resourced kind of weird because like the pistols and stuff, there's very little ammo for, but they started giving you like remote mines and like you'd never use them on anything but the bosses. So when you finally get to a boss, it's like, and here I use these 10 remote mines and you just instant kill it. And it's like, huh, I feel like that should have taken a little more effort. Some yeah. of the later some of the later enemies were a little too easy to kill. That may have been also um, how you're playing, though, too. You are a aggressively experienced Resident Evil player. That's true. Um, so, from there, you wind up saving Mia and Zoe, and then he, Jack comes back again? Yeah, he does. He comes back, and he turns into the final boss from Resident Evil 4. Um... Uh, he turns into Saddler from um, Resident Evil 4 at the end with all the eyeballs and, like, shoot the eyeballs to kill the guy. And I'm like, oh, I've seen this motherfucker before. I played already. Where's my TMP? A lot. Yeah, where's yeah, where's my TMP? Accuracy by volume on these little eyeball things. Um, so, kill him, and then you get to the... You had to create... Oh, I know why you had to kill Marguerite. She has pieces of the, like, cure to your zombieitis. And they're actually, like, they're samples of a, um, like, a person. Like, it's the person thing's arm and its head. Um, I don't remember if they get much into that. They may, may be part of, like, another sample that was like Evelyn. But I'm not going to get into Evelyn just yet. 
say, I guess it's certain aside, one of the things that you commented on a previous podcast that's probably worth noting is a lot of the um, the little scraps of paper and stuff throughout the game at this point really like bring to light a lot of the stuff, even if yeah. it's just like their grocery lists, the shit that they're buying, and like they're getting notes from their doctor saying, "Hey." You've got a lot of things growing in your brain that shouldn't be there. Yeah, so that's the... Please that's, call me immediately. That's actually one of the more important parts to bring up is the fact that the game does a very good job of establishing the Bakers. We're not always like this. They got turned, which we'll talk about a little bit later, I assume, when, when you get to other parts yep. of the game. But, like, it's... These, are, these were normal humans, very much Resident Evil style, where it's like, no, no, these were normal things these were normal people but now it's all zombie holocaust monsters exactly um so it's at this point after you defeat jack that the game gives you an ultimatum and i'll admit at this point i've only got one of the endings i haven't gone back and gotten the other one yet but i chose the one that very few people choose which is i saved mia or sorry not mia i Dude, saved you zoe skipped over a ton of stuff Probably. Uh, the, I'm there's, tired. There's the part where you're in. There's like the part where you have the conversation with Jack inside the heads and stuff like that. Conversation with Jack inside the heads. Maybe you can get to this. I mean, it's something I, I thought that was part of the game you had to go through. Um, it's not that you Our, killed Jack immediately. Aren't there a couple more things after you kill Jack in Giant Saddler mode? After that, it after you kill him there, you immediately step out onto the dock, and it offers you the option to save one of the girls. Oh, fair. No, so I guess we'll talk about the thing I was getting to now. Um, there's a part in the game where you're kind of part of a mind meld with the entire family in a weird kind of trippy way. Did you not do this? Or? Oh, that that is hasn't happened yet. Oh, I thought that, ha thought, that already, I thought that happened before you killed Jack. No, that happens well. That happens well after you save uh, whichever one you're going to save. Fair enough. Sorry, continue then. Um. Also, if I'm skipping over stuff, because I am giving a pretty brief overview. Yeah, no, it's I, that, that's like, the important thing. I guess I thought we should talk yeah. about. But if or, it's happened, I should yeah, like I said, I have no context for where these things happen. Just what happens. Yeah, I should probably also mention the battle with Marguerite. She's a fucking like bees. Yeah, like wasp warlock. Like she just vomits bees and insects on you. She's pretty terrifying. Um, she's a she's a really good boss. Her and Jack are both really good bosses. Franklin's not as good. Franklin's um, not really a boss though, is he? Uh, not him himself. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? The um. The uh. Come on, brain, kick over. Boomer. Um. The boomer and stuff that he starts throwing at you is the boss at the moment. Yeah. Um, no, that's think, it, this game. I think he, in theory, survives the end of the game. I can't remember. No, you don't kill him. Yeah, he's still, in theory, alive at the end of the game. Oh, then he might be running around somewhere. Um, so, <clears throat> you pick whether you're going to save Mia or Zoe because you have to use one of the antidotes to kill Jack. Um, and turn him into, quote-unquote, a human so that he can be killed. Then you basically have one left. You can either give it to Mia or Zoe. I gave it to Zoe because Mia was a psychopathic bitch who fucking cut my arm off. Um, that said, apparently, like, 86% of people choose Mia. Yeah, the, the, reality, the reaction most people had was 
you came for your wife, might as well do the wife thing. Like this Zoe chick you've talked to a couple times, whatever. And I already know she's a better person. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically after that, you wind up taking this little paddle boat away from all of it. And you wind up seeing this giant fucking cruise liner is yeah, just Yeah, the there. shots of that are super cool. That's, it's like, holy fuck, that's a cruise ship. There's just a cruise ship sitting in the middle of the swamp. And Zoe basically starts expositioning that, okay, so there's this girl named Evelyn, and she came to them, and her gifts give them the powers that they have. And she's like a 10-year-old girl, and you shouldn't fuck with her. Yeah. So immediately... Uh, after that, she like, she starts like freaking out. I was like, no Evie, don't, or no Evelyn, no Evie, don't kill me. I'm being good. Don't do this. And then she just like turns into ash and crumbles in front of you. Yep. Then there's like an explosion or something. I forget exactly. You My bump something really in the bad. water first. That's implied to be like some big sea monster thing. Yep. And... Then there's like an explosion and you basically wake up as Mia. Um, and then you play through Mia's memories through the boat of her basically being a like special ops agent um, who's supposed to guide and guard Evelyn, which is this 10 year old girl who is a host carrier of this fungus. And she like all of a sudden in the middle of the cruise she started freaking the fuck out and lo and behold zombie apocalypse on a boat is not a great place to have a zombie apocalypse no. and mia basically shoots her way out and um i think uh the main character was ethan winds up getting like dragged into the center of the sw- the ship and then you play as Mia and go and save him. Um, also, again, I'm only commenting on the ending I got. I don't know fully The other ending's not that different because you wind up playing as Mia either way. Okay. But there is one distinct difference I am aware of that yes. has not happened yet. That's the only real major difference. Okay. Uh, the, the one kind of comment people have had is, how the fuck does Mia get to the boat if you don't pick Mia? But... Mm-hmm. I mean... At the same time, how do you become Mia? Yeah. <laughs> um, so what winds up happening is the... Or you shoot your way through the ship, solve a bunch of puzzles, get to the bottom, save Ethan, and then the game goes back to Ethan mode, mm-hmm. and Mia freaks out and is basically like, you don't understand what it's like to have this fucking psychopath in your brain, and then she tries to kill you, and you wind up murdering Mia. And that is only in the ending I got. If you, apparently in the other ending, you don't have to kill Mia somehow. Um, you get to kill Evelyn, yeah. Oh, you, uh, both of them you kill Evelyn, you don't kill her on the boat, though. Uh, you get thrown a special weapon by Chris. That's much further. Yeah, oh, sorry. That's actually, yeah, that's further in the game. So it winds up happening from there, um... I don't know if that's where you have your mind meld and the game starts having like you basically get to have a sit down conversation with the bakers Mm -hmm. (laughs) except for it's the actual the bakers not the like psychopathic zombie family the bakers Um, and they kind of tell you no 
we found her washed up on the shore of the swamp. We took her in and thought she was a normal 10-year-old girl, but psych. Um, look what happened. Yeah, look what happened. And, you know, we're not terrible people. Please don't hate us. Um, we didn't intend for this to happen. Please save our family. It's too much to ask you, but could you please save our family and put us to rest? And kill Evelyn. So basically what winds up happening is from there you wind up walking into like an abandoned salt mine because of course this place has a salt mine. Yep. And down in there you wind up discovering that, hey, looks like Umbrella Corp or someone who's totally not Umbrella Corp has been down here. Someone in the Umbrella Corp industry, if you will. Basically. And you wind up discovering a whole bunch of, you know, bioweapon research stuff and that's where you learn that it's a fungus and that the bioweapon is supposed to look like a 10 year old because you basically the idea on this one yeah is you drop it behind enemy lines who no one's going to shoot a 10 year old and then it's supposed to convert your opponent to being on your side your results may vary yeah there's still some kinks we're working out and basically the bioweapon or <laughs> there's one really funny one that's like is your bioweapon supposed to be this fucked up <laughs> um where if the evelyn became obsessed with the idea of a family yeah so because of that um she had a lot of things where she was mad at mia for she mia was supposed to be her mother and like be a family and like she's mad at Ethan for breaking up her family and stuff like she's hyper focused on this idea. And throughout this, the grandma character keeps teleporting around. And then basically there's a piece of X or one of the pieces of papers like, Hey, the bioweapons acting really weird. Like it's aging at an accelerated rate, which is the spoiler. Grandma was Evelyn the whole time. Um, she's not actually a little girl anymore. She just projects herself as that because she can get in your fucking yeah. head because she's nightmare mold creature. She's a psyker. Yeah. So you wind up filing the mine shaft, which is full of, you know, the night is dark and full of many terrors. Yep. Um, all the way up to the little house from the beginning of the game that you haven't been in for this entire time. Where you have your final showdown with Evelyn, where she turns into just a big you know, big fuck off biomass and proceeds to beat the shit out of you. And basically it's like Alice in Wonderland when Alice was in the house and it's like, that house is too small to fit all of you. Mm -hmm. And she winds up like slamming you into the pavement. And then Chris Redfield shows up in a helicopter, throws you a gun and use that gun to kill her. And then basically Chris Redfield's like, glad we found you. And the game ends. So, um, little things you may or may not have noticed, there is an umbrella logo on the side of that uh, helicopter, and they never yes. say it's Chris Redfield. They just say Redfield. Yes. Also, he has Chris Redfield's character model. <laughs> not exactly, but yes, they, they, they bear a striking resemblance. But so, I guess the big kind of theory out there that I got to play around with some, because I was reading all of this, is the umbrella logo on the, uh, on the helicopter is blue not red. Mm-hmm. And if you go and dig into some of the crazy Resident Evil lore, they talk about how the Umbrella Corp that caused the zombie apocalypse 
was actually only like a small subdivision of Umbrella Corp. Oh, naturally. Skynet is only a piece of a larger program. Yeah, like it's it's one of these things where it's like, no, 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 that was the weird experimental division. Like, we made lots of other medical stuff that was totally normal. So one of the theories out there is that basically it's like, no, no, it's this is the, this is a kind of mopping up of the old Umbrella Corp where it's like, hey, um, we found another one of the crazy programs they were working. What's it this time? Biomasses that possess people that look like little girls. Oh, God damn that division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, or at least it definitely seemed to me immediately, it's like Chris Redfield is on the we fucked up cleanup crew. Yeah. Nah, so I guess the difference in the endings that you haven't gotten to experience because you've gone back and dealt with it, I assume, is the ending you got has some slightly different dialogue. Like, it's... Yours is for, your ending was very much focused on, like, yeah, fuck Mia, whatever kind of thing. If you mm -hmm. go with the other one, it's got more of a, what's the right word for it? Like, oh, thank God you found us. What took you so long? There's a couple weird little audio drops that maybe hint that this was a known thing, possibly to Ethan, but never fully expanded on. Mm -hmm. Really? That Ethan knew what he was getting into? It's not totally clear. At least he made contact with, like, the police or something, and the police were like, um... <laughs> don't go no, there. That would explain why one cop showed up and got killed. Yeah. Oh, I guess one thing I could kind of wrap up, because I've gone through and played through, like, a tiny amount of the beginning of the game a second time. The game begins with you watching a video of Mia, like, first it's a thing of her being like, hey, I'm on, I'm doing this vacation, or not vacation, I'm doing this babysitting job, I can't wait to come back and see you, and then it's cuts to her being like, Ethan, whatever you do, don't come here, and what I didn't realize my first playthrough is that it, you're actually watching it from the first perspective of Mia when she is on the boat. She recorded, she recorded a video and yeah. sent it to him saying, don't come here. And she watched the other video just on her own. So it was kind of one of those, like, it tied back into the beginning of the game moments. No, so, and I think the, expl cute. the explanation that some people have hinted at is that she calls it a babysitting gig. And if you're like, hey, why is a grown-ass adult doing babysitting gigs? There's obviously some slightly shady shit going on with her. Like, it's the... This is obviously babysitting is code for, yeah, we're transporting an asset or something, or I have to be there to supervise something. So there is the also possibility that Ethan may also work for Umbrella. Mm -hmm. Because hmm. like it seems awfully convenient that Umbrella shows up, and that mm -hmm. Ethan's as well-trained as he is, too. There's actually a uh, point when you get out of the salt mine, there's actually a like CV radio um, that has you, that you can hear basically Chris Redfield and Kobe being yeah. like, we're almost there. You never pick it up and tell them to come, but they know yeah. that you're almost there. No, nah, so one of the theories out there, though, is that you are part of a good guy umbrella or maybe bad guy umbrella containment team. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, go check it out. Why? It's like, well, your wife was there. And you're like, it's like, no, no, don't go and find your wife. Why? When our shit goes missing, bad stuff happens. Towns go missing. Raccoon City. Mm -hmm. Don't do this. I'm going to do it anyway. Fine. 
mm-hmm. get killed, whatever. So that's actually pretty interesting because they don't ever get into Ethan's backstory. Yeah. Like they never talk about what he did in a past life or anything like that. Yeah, and like to a certain level, you'd expect Ethan to be a tad more freaked out by a bunch of the stuff you encounter. He's like, I wouldn't say blase. He's still pretty freaked out. (laughs) But it's like, it's like, oh shit, there's a fridge full of heads, not that guy regenerated. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, early on in the game, he's much more freaked out. Yeah. He he stops being as the game goes on. No, true. Um, He also asks a lot, you know, the dumb obvious question, who, who did this to you? You know, why, why are you here? We need to go. Who's daddy? What, what? Like, he does have that going on. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend the game. <laughs> no, and that, that's the thing, too. Like, it's the, the more I kind of dug into the spoilers for it. Like, I don't know why I was so fascinated with the spoiler part of it. Maybe it was because, like, just everything I read was like, man, this game's pretty fucking good. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't like horror games, but this game's allegedly pretty fucking good. Yeah, this one's got a lot of crazy shit in it. Um trying to think no it's i, I guess like there's s- some let's say there's like some really fucking creepy sections like i guess i kind of skipped over a little bit like when you go to get the arm for the uh recipe to like make the don't be a zombie juice you go through basically evelyn's bedroom and stuff and it's just all fucking like porcelain dolls that have been mutilated and like stuck to the walls and shit like of course the, the atmosphere in this game, they got the creepy down really fucking well. Yeah. I'm stoked for DLC and whatever they continue to bring to the game. One of the DLCs you play as Redfield. Really? Yeah. So there are some theories that about awesome. that. Mm-hmm. I wound up playing the... Um, I've played through the bedroom one, and I've played a little bit of the... Uh, they basically did what I would consider their version of the um, mercenaries part of Resident Evil 4. Ethan must die. In this game. Not Ethan must die. It's the other one. There's four of them, and it's oh, the wow, whatever the other one is. Oh, that's more than I thought. Yeah, there's Ethan must die, the bedroom, and then there's like two others. I'm blanking on their names right now. Um, basically, it's like a tower defense kind of deal where huh. like each round you're able to spend money on like guns and weapons and stuff, and then like you can use the money to like make turrets turn on and stuff throughout the house and then jack appears after certain waves and it's just wave-based combat um typically the game kicks your ass isn't that ethan must die i don't think it is but it might be you're probably right like that's ethan must die but yeah no it's it what i found cool about the game was like some of my favorite concept of resident evil like the nemesis and stuff like that were brought back in the form of Jack um, Baker, where it's like, no, no, you keep fucking killing it, and it keeps coming back, and it's coming for you. The thing I'm talking about is called Nightmare. Oh. Ethan Must Die is... You must kill Marguerite, apparently. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Did they ever explain why you can kill everyone else in the family except Jack? Uh, no. He got the good regenerating. Yeah, they didn't get the good regenerating. Evelyn has the ability to kill them. Um, It's a little bit inferred that enough damage over time does keep them down. 
that said, I I wouldn't be surprised if the game reserves the right to say Marguerite's actually not dead. You just incapacitated her for a fairly long time. Well, a mechanic in the game is the fact that if like Jack's stalking you too hard, you can waste some ammo and put him out of commission temporarily. Like he does come back, but you can knock him out for a little bit of time to give yourself some breathing room. Yes. Well, at least you can stagger him back a little bit. Yeah. He doesn't like bullets in the face too much. Yeah. Um, he wasn't actually ever that threatening to me because he, you could just outrun him. Yes. Um, if you're, if you're good at kiting, he's not that big of a problem. No, and that's, that's actually what appealed to me most about that. Cause it's like, no, no, it's a Resident Evil game and it's scary. Like, unlike maybe, uh, six was, but, <laughs> but like, it's an approachable one where it's like, no, no, you're being stalked by a very human enemy. And there's occasionally moments of not so humanness. Yes. Well, I, I don't want to rip too much from zero punctuation but listening to him and talking about like you know is it scary to be locked in a room with this creature even and you have a firearm you're just not capable of hurting it turns out the answer is yes yeah um because you know you can have all the guns in the world and i wouldn't waste a bullet on jack but that's the survival horror like every bullet is precious in me so as a fan of survival horror was this survival horror-y enough for you uh, yeah. The end, there was too much of the remote bombs. Sure. Like, seriously, there's way too many fucking remote bombs. That may have been just you playing well, though, too, so. I think I finished out the game with, like, 13 of them in my inventory. Damn. Like, there's a lot of fucking remote bombs. Um, this game also very much had, like, so... The way that you get upgrades in this game is, like... In Zoe's area, which is a, like, broken-down mobile home, Mm -hmm. there are these bird cages that have the upgrades in them, and then you put in these albatross coins to make them work. or something, yeah. Yeah, something. A rusty key might help. And um, they... There's only, like, 18 of them in the game, and all the upgrades cost 16 total. One of which is, like, improved steady aim. One of them's, like, improved health. And the last one is, like, um, the Magnum. And I think there's more than just 18. There might be. It's not a big number, though. I I think there's enough for all of them. Or maybe, like, two but not three of them. That is enough for all of them. Um, because one costs three, one comes costs five, one costs eight, and then oh, there's got it. Like, sixteen total. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, I didn't get the gun. I got the other two on another playthrough. I'm gonna try and go for the gun. I've heard the Magnum's cool. Yeah. Um. So there weren't that many upgrades in general. I loved the inventory system in this game because it was a return to like RE4 form while still doing quick, uh, change between weapons. Because have you seen it yet? Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a mini attache case situation. Yeah. I really liked that. And then the fact that you could expand on it and, like, throughout the game you became you felt more powerful just based on the fact your inventory grew. I got two guns with me this time. Yeah. Not just two guns, but two guns and the ammo to go in them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was pretty awesome. The fact that... 
money takes up an inventory slot was fucking that's brutal. Good. That's pretty um, good. I need to go through. I'm gonna go through on my next playthrough and play the game on hardcore mode because it returns to like RE2ville and the idea of um, you have to actually like pick up items to do save files. Oh yeah, it's got the ink ribbons. Yeah, or yeah, equivalent they're, of. Yeah, they're cassette tapes, but yeah, it's the ink ribbons from the original games. Um, and I believe also Nemesis can like show up and fuck your day up in this one. If you do in the hardcore mode. Um, maybe. I don't know if it's Nemesis Nemesis, though. It might just be Jack. Might be. I think they said that there's more enemies or something. Don't know. I, know, I, know I don't know. I haven't done harder. it yet. Yeah. I haven't done it yet, so I don't know fully. You got to go for that speedrunning trophy that's got, where it's like complete the game in four hours? Uh, Probably not. Um, I do. I am interested in a lot of its other trophies, though. Sure. Um, so I do, I do foresee myself playing this game again, um, though I do not think it has nearly the replay value that RE4 did. Yeah, I'm not um, sure any game will have that level of replay value for Yeah, because the thing is, is, a lot of this, like, this game is more horror than RE4 was. Sure. And because of that, like, once you know what the horror element is, like, okay, this does this here, I know, like... It's not a challenge the way RE4 was. Yeah, RE4 is the start of the action gamification of it that led to 6, where people got mad at it. This is a <laughs> hard reversal of that. Yes. Um, this game definitely hit the balance really well between action and horror. Um, so, 10 yeah, for 10 so, would recommend. Yeah, so I guess like if I, let's do a quick ranking, because we believe in ranking things occasionally here. Um does this make kind of the top five of Resident Evil games? I'd say it's number two. And like, number I'd four go straight is the then. next best number one. Number four is still number one. This one's number two, and then I'd probably put five at number three. Really? I also don't have experience with the like older ones. Okay, yeah, because I generally think of two as the best. Yeah, because I've played two a little bit, but not enough to like say I've, you know, played played the game you've played four in post yeah um by that technicality i have to give fourth place to six but i refuse to do that sure i refuse to to let they doesn't have to win anything but yeah it's uh if you were going off of like four five and six coming into this and that was the version of resident evil you liked might you find this jarring four five and six nah um it depends. I mean, it, it depends on what your expectations are going into the game. I had the very large fortune that I went into this game thinking it was going to be PT the game, and then Resident Evil was going to sit in the background. And it wound up being PT the game, except Resident Evil did not sit in the back seat. Yeah. Resident Evil was up riding passenger. No, I know a lot of stuff's been said by people where it's like, how the fuck did PT... It's like, PT came out during this thing's development, like... Did Capcom actually have a good idea developing this game before PT came out, or did they like drastically shift over to PT at some point? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> no one knows. Like that's part of yeah. the fun. Yeah. Game um, development takes too long for it to be a total shift. Yeah, it's possible that they were experimenting with the idea of first person, and then they saw the PT guys and were like, "You oh, did it better." Oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, because that's how you make shooting controls better, which. With six, they were already kind of going down that shooter-heavy approach, and you've mm-hmm. got to do first person. You're gonna go more shootery than that. Yep. 
And there Makes is sense. not a ver version of shooters that the Resident that Capcom is not willing to try. This is true. They make that very evident all the time. Yeah, they made that competitive like arena shooter thing called like Umbrella Corpse or something last year. Yep. They must have. I remember they made. No, no, they did. Is that the one that I was making fun of, where people like explode into being briefcases when they die? Possibly. I. That's the <laughs> one you have like a grappling hook that you can climb with, and it's really just a deathmatch arena with zombies kind of sprinkled throughout. Oh god. You know, real Resident <laughs> Evil ass shit. <laughs> Umbrella any, corpse. And yeah, I think it's called Umbrella Corpse. Yeah, I think that we're talking about the same game. Anything you want to say about the game before we close this out, or nah? Let's say, are there any more plot points you'd like to ask me about first? Ah, that's about it. Like, it was more just getting a flow of what the fuck happened that I was disjointed on. Um, how were the boss fights? Jack is awesome. Marguerite is awesome. Franklin's a little more, like, weird. Because it's so, like... It's more puzzle solving than it is putting bullets into him. Sure. Um, that said, Franklin has set up his own personal fucking Rube Goldberg of death, um, which makes things interesting. Um, Evelyn herself is not an especially overwhelming boss, but she's cool. Um, it's better bosses than have been in most games recently. Sure. Um, but they're not like. You know, coming from a game that, or a game like Resident Evil 4 that had fucking trolls in it, like, this game had a lower enemy diversity in general. Sure. Um, well, so I, I guess, like, comparing it to Resident Evil 4, which I know it fails in your perspective, are there things you'd like to see them take from RE4 that would work with, like, RE8 if we're going to keep going down this first-person PT-ish path? Hmm. That's a good question. Because I get the impression that game is very much more of an action game than this game is. This game has its moments because it's still a first-person shooter. But like even comparing the two, it's the story of Leon is much more of a shooter with a horror setting and less of a horror game. It's got a scarcity angle to it, but... Yeah, the scarcity thing, I think, is a lot of what... I think the fact that they brought back scarcity well helps a lot because, like, RE5 and... I don't know as much about six, but in five, it was the, we're forcing co-op. Okay, so how's scarcity? Well, there's enough ammo to supply both you. You failed at scarcity. Yeah. Um. And seven, they finally went, oh yeah, bullets can be few and far between. We can make this difficult and, you know, two bull or one gun, two bullets, and a dream kind of deal. Yeah. Um. That RE5 did not do exceptionally well. Um. Let's see. I think if they keep up with the scarcity, that's good. It's going to be real hard to top being literally tied up and locked in with the Devil's Rejects for a weekend. Sure. Because that was fucking awesome. Um, I don't know. Maybe they could have potentially spent some more time like in Umbrella Corp because the science-y kind of setting where like you let out all the lab experiments. Fuck you, right? is actually pretty neat. Yeah. Um, and I think some more, like, keeping up with scenarios where it's, like, really claustrophobic and things are kind of coming out of the walls and, like, 
you don't necessarily know where your next enemy is going to come from. Not in a cheap jump scary kind of way, but just in a this thing is hyper mobile and it's not trying to jump scare me per se, but I cannot cognitively locate it. And that in itself I know is it's terrifying, coming, but I don't know from where. Yes, and capturing that I think would be pretty cool. Yeah. This game did have some of that, but like the big like uh, the fucking mud monsters, I don't know what to call them. They could appear out of nowhere, but there wasn't any kind of like alien it's using the vent shaft kind of moments with them. Sure. Which could have been pretty neat. Okay, so I guess kind of building off that, I do have another question. Let me see if I can process it in my head a little bit better. Um I've heard that like if you can make it past the first like hour or two of the game, it gets a lot less jump scary and the horror becomes more of a setting. Is that true? Yeah. There okay. or at least no more cutscenes will do that to you. Things may actually like just stumble into you like naturally. Sure, but so that... it's it's no longer scripted jump scares at that point. It's like, oh, a thing was there. I really only view one jump scare in the whole game as really being like a uh, ha ha fuck you sure um and it's really early on um there may be more that i'm just forgetting but really it's not about jump scares once you start getting through the game because what it take it stops doing is you don't spend as much time like in cutscenes once it starts populating the world because it does a good job of doing the si something similar to re4 where you had almost like a hub area where like you break out of the house and get into the yard. Okay, this is where the mobile home is. It's also where the greenhouse is. Okay, the next area you're going to is the greenhouse. Oh, you need something back in the house that's in a room that's now available to you. Um, like, the village in RE4, you, it was basically a figure eight that you went back through multiple times. Okay. This kind of has that. It's not to the degree of Resident Evil 4, but like... Because of that, the way it starts, okay, you know what's in this area. You've been through it more than once. There's more enemies in here now, and those might sneak up on you, but we're not adding more scripted events now that you've been through here. So if you're a big coward like I am, if you can get past the first like hour or so, maybe the rest you, of the game will be more your speed. Oh, yeah, you should be fine in that cool. regard. Nah, maybe I'll give it a shot at some point. It, it's been fascinating keeping track of it because it went from, like, Hey, hey guys, yeah, RE7's good. What? Yeah, RE7's real good. It is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Haven't they, like, whiffed on the last, like, four Resident Evils? Yeah. Between five, six, and, like, five offshoot games? I I'm not gonna lie, when they announced that it was first person, they showed it off, I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? And <laughs> they appear to have known exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I'm now what? currently curious how many Resident Evil games came out between now and four. <sighs> Not as many as you think, but also more than you'd think. Mm-hmm. It depends if you define as came out, though, too, because there's been a couple re-releases and HD things, and... I don't remember code for... Like, there's um, both the Revelation games that came out. that, that were, Those were pretty good, allegedly. So let's see here. So, since 4, there has been Resident Evil Deadly Science, Resident Evil 4 Umbrella Chronicles, Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil The Dark Side Chronicles, Resident Evil Mercenaries Versus, Resident Evil Mercenaries 3D, Resident Evil Re Revelations, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, 
Resident Evil 6, Resident Evil Revelations 2, Umbrella Corpse, and then 7. That sounds about right. <laughs> it's like you missed 5 in there somewhere, how by accident. Oh, I thought I started on 5. Oh, I did skip 5. Yes, 5's in there. <laughs> so they have whiffed a lot between 4 and 7. I've heard good things about Revelations. Uh, both Revelations games... So long as you're not playing them on the portable version they both came out for initially, are pretty good. Allegedly. Mm hmm. Like you as a RE4 fan, you might dig them actually. Hmm. We will have to see. Yeah, don't know. But I think that does it for our RE7 spoiler cast topic thing. Yeah, that was fun. So hi, if you're joining us from jumping over all that stuff to get the music, welcome. We've stopped talking about RE7. Mm-hmm. It was super weird when the unicorn showed up. It was. The, it, the weird thing is, it was an all-black unicorn, and it cried blood. Uh, do you know the artist Voltaire? As in the musician, not the... The musician? Hell yeah. He has a song called Riding a Black Unicorn. I need to go listen to that. And we drink, drink, drink from a chalice filled with the laughter of small children and the blood and tears of our enemies. That's awesome. Yeah. Anything you want to talk about? Um, content is back, obviously. If you're, By the time you're hearing this, I believe the Ruby video will be up. The, Dishon the For Honored, not Dishonored video will be up. I should do a Dishonored 2 video. That game's actually pretty good. Um... <laughs> Metal Geared is existent, I promise. It's been recorded and shit, and is sitting in my editing computer, and doesn't have an intro yet, so look forward to that, as does MMO Safari, if I'm real prolific in the weekend predating this podcast going up, which I don't think I'm going to be, unfortunately. There should be two ongoing series kicking off this coming week, which... Would be awesome. Uh, assuming my work doesn't get crazy, start looking for the Mass Effect thing I mentioned or threatened to happen. I don't think you're working on anything right now, are you, Jeff? Say that again? I don't think you're working on anything video-wise or content-wise. Mm. Uh, not at the moment. There will probably be a Horizon Zero Dawn video at some point. That's statistically favorable. Yes, and uh, the Switch is coming. There will be videos for the Switch when it comes out. I'm not sure how immediately there will be for the Switch because one of the two games I'm getting at launch for that thing <coughs> is a two-player game. So that may take a second to set up, but yeah. Got anything else you want to say, Jeff? I think I'm good. You want to take us out then? Absolutely. Cue the metal. Cue the metal.